In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in On this Sunday, the Sunday after Ascension, and the Sunday before the Feast of Pentecost, the Church puts before us the commemoration of the Holy Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council. Very briefly, what was going on was that there was a priest named Arius who was teaching, who was teaching that there was a time when the Son of God did not exist. That in order for God the Father to truly be Father, He had to come before the Son in time. But unfortunately, that doesn't work because God exists outside of time. He created time and time exists within Him. And Arius taught this heresy, and he was condemned and deposed and excommunicated by his bishop, and yet he did not relent. He kept teaching in his pride. He thought that he knew God. He thought that he knew about God, and that he knew better about God than the experience of the entire church. But that is not where our knowledge of God comes from. Our knowledge of God does not come from speculations. It does not come simply from books. It does not come simply from rational arguments. Because anytime we think we can figure out who God is, we've missed Him. We've missed Him. God is uncontainable. And He is unknowable in His essence. We know Him in His energy, in His grace, in His glory, in His light, in His love. So what does it mean to truly know God? How do we get to know God? And what does it mean to glorify God? The church has given us on this day the passage at the end of Christ's high priestly prayer from John chapter 17. From John 14 through 17, the church calls this the high priestly prayer of Christ. We read this on Holy Thursday at the service of the 12 Passion Gospels. And Christ prays this beautiful long prayer before going to His Passion. And in this prayer, he talks about being one with the Father. And he talks about having the glory which they had from before the world was created to show that he truly is God of God, very God of very God. That he is begotten, not created. And that he is of one essence with the Father. The fathers of the first ecumenical council, they knew God because God had revealed himself to them. They did not speculate about the theology of the church. They did not say, this will sound good to everybody. This will convince people. They simply taught that which had been revealed to them and that which had been handed down to them in the church. True theology is not learned in a book. It's learned through revelation and through experience and through worship of the true God. In this gospel passage, our Lord says that the Father has given Him, Christ, power over all flesh to give eternal life to all 
whom thou hast given him. And he says, and this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is true life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So how do we know God? What does it mean to know God? In the, in the wisdom of Solomon in chapter 15, he says, For to know you, God, is complete righteousness. And to know your might is the root of immortality. To know God is complete righteousness. First of all, to know God, we have to desire to know God. Secondly, we have to approach with humility. Knowing that we can't know God. That's the humility. We have to know that we can't know God. We can experience Him, though. I'll give you an example. When two people want to get married, typically when they start dating, they don't start Googling everything about each other. When you fall in love with somebody and you want to share your life with them, you don't read about them on Wikipedia. You start dating them. You start spending time together. You talk to them. You walk with them. You eat with them. You converse with them. You listen to them. It's called living. <laughs> but the same is true when we come to God. We can't just get to know God by Googling things on the internet about Him. We have to know God by talking with Him, by listening to Him, by spending time with Him. By, we do read about Him in the Holy Scriptures, but we believe the Holy Scriptures are a love letter composed by God for us as individuals. He composed that for you, and every time you open that holy book, there is a word, a message from God for you that He prepared from before the world was created. So we communicate with our beloved, and we get to know God, our beloved, through communion with Him. And we have this intimate communion through His body and blood. And we should be doing everything within our power to prepare to receive His holy body and blood. During Lent, during the pre-sanctified liturgy, we sing a hymn during communion that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. It is by tasting, it is by participating in the holy mysteries that we know God. And to know God, the saints say, is to see His face. St. Paul says that now we see dimly as in a mirror, but then in the fullness of time in the kingdom of heaven, we will see very clearly. St. Nikolai of Zetra says, the knowledge of God in this earthly life provides, provides a beginning and foretaste of eternal life. The knowledge of God in this earthly life provides a beginning and foretaste of eternal life. 
And so what do we do with this knowledge of God? Is it enough just to say, I know who God is. I believe that He exists. I even believe all the correct theology about Him. Is that enough? No. Because even the demons believe that. You read the Gospel of Mark, the first creatures to recognize Christ as the Son of God are the demons. He's referred to as the Son of Man, Son of Man, Son of Man, and then around chapter 4 or 5 he encounters a demon and he says, I know who you are, the only Son of God. It's not enough to know who he is. That's the start, that's the beginning of eternal life, but we also have to do good works and fulfill his holy will. Christ says in this prayer in John 17, verse 3, This is eternal life, that they know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Verse 4, I glorified thee on earth, having accomplished the work which thou gavest me to do. To know God and to love God means to do the work that He has given us to do. We have to fulfill His will. We have to carry out the good works. And we don't carry out the good works just as social work per se, just to make the world a better place. We carry out good works because we love God. Because He loved us first. St. Nikolai of Zicha says also, Take note also of the very important circumstance that the Lord is praying the Father to glorify Him. Because He has finished the work that was given Him to do. Christ asked the Father to glorify Him. Okay? Because He has finished the work. In our culture, we want glory, and we don't want to do any work. Everybody wants power, everybody wants recognition, everybody wants a pat on the back for simply showing up and not even doing any work. St. Nikolai goes on, quote, This is a clear teaching to us that it is only when we fulfill the will of God that we can expect recompense from God. Remember Christ's prophecy that at the end of time, when the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father, He will then reward every man according to His works. Blessed will the righteous be in that day, for they will be rewarded a hundredfold for their good works, and will shine like the sun with the light of Christ's glory before the throne of the Most High. End quote. Our calling as Christians, our vocation as Christians, is to know God, but not to keep that knowledge of God to ourselves. It's to know God and to fulfill His holy will. If we are pursuing anything else in this life other than fulfilling God's will and seeking salvation in the kingdom which is to come, then we do not truly know God. And we're going to miss the mark. We have to know God. We have to experience God. And I'm not talking about just praying three feet off the ground, levitating or having some 
amazing experience like that. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about experiencing God deep in your bones with faith that is unwavering. Knowing that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that He suffered and He died on the cross, that He descended into Hades, and He freed the captives, and He broke the bonds of death to free you and me to give us eternal life so that we won't go to that lake of fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. The faith comes first. The good works follow. And we are rewarded, God willing, by seeing the Lord's face for all eternity. Remember, in the book of Revelation, John says that there is no night in the heavenly Jerusalem. And the light comes from the throne, from the Lamb. We want to be partakers of this light for all eternity because this is true joy. We often are deceived and think that we will find joy in material things, in worldly things, in our work, in our hobbies, in our recreation. We might find fleeting happiness in those things, but we only truly find joy in living a life of deep repentance and communion with the living God. Because He is the source of all joy. He is the fountain of joy and the fountain of light. And the only way to tap into that joy is to cross the bridge from the created into the uncreated. We do this through the holy mysteries and we do this through deep repentance and prayer. The kingdom of heaven is truly a joyful place because those who are there around the throne of God are there because they love Him. And they did the good works in this life because they love God. And if we want to join them, we must fulfill His holy will. If we want God to glorify us, and if we want the church to paint pictures of us and put them on the walls for people to kiss, then we must fulfill the will of God. And oh, by the way, no saint ever sets out just to get their picture on a wall. That's a byproduct of their holiness. Right? It's a byproduct of their holiness and their love for God. But nevertheless, if we want God to glorify us, if we want Him on that last day to say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord, we must start today. We must start by fulfilling His holy will. And how do we know what God's will is for us? Start with the simple things. Pray, fast, tithe, give alms, do good works, be kind. Somebody once asked St. Paisios of Mount Athos, what must I do to be saved? And he said, don't be a jerk and you're 90% there. <laughs> you're 90% on your way if you're just not a jerk. Just be kind. Just be kind. Doing God's will is not complicated. We have something called a conscience, and we all know when we try to, like, 
tone it out. But start with what the church says. Come to church, pray fast, do good works, be good stewards, be kind, love your neighbor as yourself. If we do these things, if we fulfill God's holy will, God will glorify us and He will give us eternal life and we will spend all of eternity going from glory to glory, as St. Paul says, basking in the radiance of the light of the Son of God. Brothers and sisters, what else is there? What else is there that compares to the gift that God gives us? Our Lord Jesus Christ gives, He has been given the power to give eternal life. And He wants to give it to you and He wants to give it to me. It is more precious than anything in this world. And our vain pursuits will leave us empty. Let us pursue the one thing needful. Let us seek the face of God by fulfilling His holy will through love of our neighbor. And in so doing, brothers and sisters, may we spend all eternity praising and blessing and glorifying and worshiping the uncreated God who are known in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be.